Hi, I'm Leslie Booty, host of the Set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. This week, we're continuing with our Biblical Mindset series, and we're going into part two of our biblical discussion on social media. So if you missed the last episode, we did part one on social media, and I encourage you to go back and listen to that as you have time. My prayer is that these principles will really give you a Christ-centered perspective on the area of digital conduct. Before we jump in, I wanted to let you know that registration for our 2024 Ellerslie Discipleship Training Programs is now open. So if you'd like to join us next summer or fall for a five-week season, or just even if you can come to the week long. This is an amazing opportunity to become grounded in truth and deepen your relationship with Christ and connect with other like-minded believers from all around the world. We have couples and families and individuals of all ages from all backgrounds come together for a season of seeking after Jesus. It's really a powerful time. So click the link in this podcast description. We'll also link to a page where you can watch videos of student testimonies and just get a feel for what a season of Ellerslie is like. You can also go to ellerslie.com for more info. Let's talk about a biblical Christ-centered perspective on social media. Now, as a reminder, last episode, we talked about the dangers of social media and how easy it is to quickly allow this to become out of control in our life and take up way more of our time and our energy and our focus than it should. It's so easy to just open our phone. It's just right in front of us all the time. And pretty soon, our relationship with Christ and even just being aware of the needs of those around us can fall to the back burner because our phone is always in our face. I remember talking to a missionary who said her biggest struggle on the mission field was not not the difficulty she was facing there, but the fact that her phone was always there and it was really easy to just escape into a world of social media distraction and not be fully present to what was right in front of her to do. And so many of us can relate to that struggle. I recently traveled and just looking around the airport, 90% of everyone that I saw had their phone in their face. And really there was very little face-to-face interaction going on. And you see that everywhere in public places now, even moms at parks with their kids don't always focus on watching their kids or engaging with their kids because they're on their phones. And I know for me, that's been a temptation so many different times in my life because phones and computers and devices and digital communication are just a necessary part of daily life. The key though, is that if we are not purposeful about putting boundaries in that area, it's going to take over our lives and get out of control, just like that fire is going to be out of control if it's not kept in a fireplace. In a fireplace, it can actually be a helpful thing to our lives. It can bring warmth to the house, but out of the fireplace, it can burn the entire house down. So social media and digital platforms are not wrong, but they have to be kept in their proper place. They have to be kept in a context of what's truly important. And keep in mind too, as I said in the last episode, that we really are setting the pattern for future generations because this is a new phenomenon. You look back a few decades, you won't see our missionary heroes struggling with how to handle social media because it wasn't available to them. And so it's really the first time in history that we've had to face anything like this. And my prayer is that we will set an example for generations to come with the decision that we make right now. I want to talk about some pitfalls of too much screen time or dangers that can come from not putting boundaries around social media. And the first one is it's very easy to miss the needs of those around us. We kind of touched on this in the last episode. I want to go a little bit deeper into it today because it probably is at the very top of the list of digital dangers that we can fall into. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
And that verse is so poignant to me to realize that he has actually prepared good works or those divine appointments in every single day. He's prepared them for us in advance that we should walk in them. And I think it's very easy in our busy, fast-paced, self-focused digital world to completely miss those good works or those divine appointments that he has prepared in advance for us to walk in. I remember hearing a missionary tell the story one time of how he was very connected to the people that he was ministering to. They were in a very remote part of the jungle. And he would walk on foot from village to village. He would walk from one place to the other to get supplies that he needed and talk with the tribal people the whole time and really build a relationship with them. And then once he became more efficient with his time, he got, I think it was like a motorcycle or a moped or a Jeep or some sort of vehicle, and he could zip from one place to the next, but it cost him because he no longer had that relational time with the people that he was there for. And he ended up actually actually giving away that vehicle or selling it because he recognized this is actually part of my ministry. I may not be as efficient with my time. I may not be able to get from one place to the next as quickly, but I'm able to build relationship as we walk from one place to the next. And that's more important to me than just getting things done more quickly. So I thought that was really an interesting perspective. It says in 1 Timothy 2.10 that godly women are to be adorned with good works. So again, there's that concept of those divine appointments, those kind of predefined opportunities to share the gospel or proclaim truth or just offer someone a helping hand, a smile, a bit of the light of Christ in this very dark world. Those opportunities are there if we're willing to see them and if we tune our ear to the Spirit of God and we focus our eyes on what God is seeing and not just a screen that is in front of us. I've told the story before on this podcast about a really horrifying thing that I read about that happened in Nazi Germany during the takeover when Hitler was sort of invading Germany and taking Jewish people away to concentration camps on cattle cars. And there was this one very beautiful church building that was situated right next to railroad tracks. And a lot of times on Sunday mornings, the Jewish people would be crammed into these cattle cars and being taken on these same railroad tracks away to their deaths or to be tortured in concentration camps. And they would cry out for help to the people in that church building, the German Christians. And they thought, you know, if anyone's going to help us, it will be the people in that building. But those Christians were too preoccupied with their own cares, their own concerns. They didn't want to really see what was happening in their own backyard. And it was too too hard to believe maybe, or too uncomfortable to get involved in, or they were just too preoccupied with their own lives. But their solution was to turn up the volume of their pipe organ and play their music and sing their hymns as loud as they could to drown out the cries of those people in need. And I was horrified when I heard that story, but then I also began to recognize that in small ways, we are very prone to doing the same thing. We just turn up the noise in our daily lives. And usually that is through the form of media and devices so that we're not even aware of the needs around the world, let alone needs of people right in our own homes and families. There are studies now that show that young people who spend so many hours of screen time every week are no longer able to show normal levels of sensitivity to people in their lives. I thought that was such an interesting study that proved that screen time or too much screen time dulls you to the needs of others. It just kind of pulls you into a false world and just makes you unaware of needs, of problems, of issues that you could help be a part of the solution. I remember taking our children to a restaurant when they were all fairly young. They were maybe between the ages of 5 and 11 or 12. And 
we were all sitting around just talking. Some of the younger ones were coloring. We were just kind of being together as a family in this restaurant. And the waitress came up to us and she said, I have never seen this before. I hardly ever see this, a family just talking to each other. Usually both parents are on their phones and the kids all have their iPads and they're playing their video games. And every member of the family is just kind of in their own digital world. So to see you guys sitting together without devices is totally unusual. And I thought, wow, that is such an incredible statement as to where our culture has come versus 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. So I want to look at practical ways to shift this pattern in our lives. And one way is to use our phone for necessary communication, but not for mindless surfing. And that's a really difficult habit to break because it's right there all the time. If you're bored, you're sitting in traffic light, you're sitting in the doctor's office, whatever. It's like you just want to kind of click around and be distracted or be entertained. But I found it really good and helpful for me to define what necessary communication means for me. There was one time in my life when I made myself available to text different friends of mine throughout the day and respond to their texts, but one friend specifically was reaching out to me all the time through text whenever something went wrong in her day-to-day life. And so she was like, this just happened. I'm really devastated about it, or this is really a problem for me. What should I do? I need your advice. And it got to the point where her texts began to define how I spent my time. No longer was I able to be fully present for my family, even my relationship with God, began to suffer because I was at the mercy of responding to her texts all the time. And I began to recognize that it was actually not really showing godly love to my family, to those I was called to serve, or to this friend of mine to be available to her over text 24-7. So we began to put boundaries around that communication, and it was much healthier when we did. And again, when I'm with my children, to put my phone down and focus on them, unless I have a really necessary reason to be on my phone, has been a purposeful decision that I've had to make. Defining the difference between necessary communication and frivolous communication can be really helpful when it comes to putting boundaries around how you use your devices. Another practical is to keep your phone time and your text short and to the point and don't use them as an emotional dumping ground. It's just really easy to do that because you're not face-to-face with someone. You're not really having to measure your words or think about what you're saying, you can just text or post your thoughts the moment that they pop into your mind. And that can actually be dangerous to the point where really emotion starts to lead the way and all your texting, all your digital communication becomes just all the things you're thinking and feeling without much of a filter there. And that can lead other people to take up second party offenses towards someone who's maybe hurt you, or they can, it can make other people feel the pressure to constantly, you know, be there for you digitally, if kind of be the digital counselor that you're looking for, or vice versa. It happened to me in the opposite way where someone was always reaching out to me in an emotional way. And I felt obligated to constantly respond to her and her emotions. And it actually wasn't serving either one of us and God's highest for our lives. Now, this does doesn't mean that you can't have a truly heartfelt, spiritually rich texting conversation with someone, but it's really important to be mindful of when the right time is to do that and to be aware of what's going on around you. Because when you feel like you have to drop everything and ignore something that's right in front of you that you know you're supposed to be doing because you just have to respond to this person's text, that's when you know that you're responding to sort of the tyranny of the urgent rather than doing it in a measured, mindful, Christ-focused way. 
where you have time set aside and that's your time to respond to that person or to type out that text or that response and it's not taking you away from something else that God has for you. If you are ignoring other responsibilities that you know God has given you, it's probably not the right time unless it's truly a matter of life or death. Beware of the urgency of other people's emotion. We've talked about in other episodes how important it is to fasten another person's soul to Christ and not to yourself. When we're talking about digital friendship type of communication, it is very, very easy to respond to the urgency of any emotion that someone's going through or to feel like you have to get a response from someone urgently because you're feeling strong emotion. And that's where we really need to learn how to run to the feet of Jesus and make him our first turn and to point other people to him to make him their first turn instead of taking the place that only Christ was meant to take. And with digital communication, it's just all too easy to fall into that trap. I remember hearing that story about Charles Spurgeon where he would meet someone after one of his evening sessions and they would say, I just need to unburden my soul and I want to get right with God and I have all these thoughts and feelings swirling around after this message. And he said, great, God is working in your heart. Meet me tomorrow morning in my office at 7 a.m. And people said, well, why aren't you just dealing with the fact that they have these urgent thoughts and feelings and they want to get right with God and shouldn't you be doing it right at the time they come to you? And he said, first of all, I need to protect my own relationship with God. And if I'm always responding to the urgency of other people, it will be a disservice to the calling he's placed in my life. And second of all, if it's really God working in this person's heart and mind, it will be just as real tomorrow at seven as it is right now. So therefore, it's not going to be an emotion-led conversion, but something that is truly led by the Spirit of God. I've also told that story before about Oswald Chambers when he was a traveling evangelist and a woman came up to him after a church service and said, Mr. Chambers, I just need to tell you all about myself, everything about myself. And his niece was with him and she thought, oh, this is going to be like a three-hour conversation. She prepared herself for that. And he said, you know, he walked over to the woman and he said, have you ever told God all about yourself? And she said, no, actually I haven't. And Oswald said, go home and tell God all about yourself. And then if you still have more, you want to ask me, I'll be here next Sunday. And the niece was really surprised. She thought, she said, I thought the woman was going to tell you all about herself. I thought we were going to be here for hours. And Oswald Chambers' response was, she first needs to unburden her soul to God. And then I can be an enhancement to that or a help to that, but I can't be a replacement for that. So when you look at your digital conduct, are you encouraging other people to take their cares to God first? Or are you putting yourself in that place of creating an unhealthy dependency in their lives because you are available to them 24-7 through your devices? A lot of youth pastors and young pastors I see today are losing their marriage and family because they're allowing people in their congregation or kids in their youth group to call them or text them anytime, day or night which seems very spiritual, but sometimes it's not the first thing that we are called to, and those boundaries have to be put in place. If it is not healthy to have an open door policy in your home, meaning somebody can just access you 24 hours a day anytime they have a concern or something that they need, that would be detrimental to your health, to your family if you had too many people doing that. The same is true when it comes to your phone. Do they have constant access to you, or are you willing to put the phone down and respond to them at specific times in a specific way that doesn't create an unhealthy emotional dependency. Another practical help is to remember to make a purposeful effort to put your phone away when you're with people in a conversation rather than just keeping it in front of you instead of just 
being pulled into the digital world every couple minutes when you're trying to have a conversation with someone, putting it down and really showing value and respect to the person that you're talking to. Obviously, if you're a mom with young kids and you need to stay in touch with them or a situation like that, there are going to be exceptions. But for the most part, putting your phone down and really giving your attention to the person who's talking to you in real life is just a way of showing value and honor and respect to them. And sadly, it's something we've lost a lot in our culture today. If you answer or read a text in the middle of a conversation, it's very similar to just cutting someone off, interrupting them, or telling them they're really not as important to you as the message that's coming in on your phone. When our kids were little, we would have them come up to us and put their hand on our arm if they needed to talk to us, and we were in the middle of another conversation. Therefore, we could gracefully exit the conversation and turn our attention to our children rather than having them just barge in and start talking over the other person just because it shows value to the person and respect to the person to let them be heard instead of constantly have your your mind, your focus going in 10 different directions. And a very similar pattern can be applied to digital conduct so that you're not just constantly at the mercy of everything and text that comes in on your device. You can keep your phone on vibrate maybe if you're expecting an important call or text and discreetly check it every so often rather than letting it dictate how you spend your time and how your conversations go. Consider having specific times every day or every week where you fast from your phone, your devices, and you focus on person-to-person conversation, being a good listener, serving someone in your life, having real-world ministry because real-world ministry cannot be replaced by digital communication. It doesn't mean ministry can't take place on digital platforms, but face-to-face ministry is so much more powerful and so much more real and lasting. I feel like digital communication can just enhance or plant seeds, but it's the in-person ministry that's really going to water those seeds and communicate the nature of Christ in a way that digital communication just can't do. Another pitfall of digital communication today is it pulls our gaze away from what is truly eternal. It says in Colossians 3, 2, to set our minds on things above, not things on the earth. And one of the biggest dangers of too much screen time is that it so often sets our gaze on things on this earth, and it convinces us that those things are the most important things in this world. In fact, it often teaches us to value the things of this world above the things of heaven. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me. meaning God, and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And yet with our devices, we are so often not seeking him with an undivided heart. Our heart is scattered in lots of different directions. We have one foot in the world. Our gaze and our focus is on the things of this world, but we also kind of want to keep a little bit of our heart for Christ. And that's not how the Christian life is going to work or thrive. I've used this quote before from Lilius Trotter in 1905. She was a woman who was very much before her time. She left her comfortable, wealthy Victorian English life and her possibility of being a famous painter to go to the mission field in Algeria, and she lived there for 40 years. But even as a missionary and being very involved in the Christian world, she recognized how generations before the digital world came onto the scene, it was still very easy to be distracted from what really matters. She wrote this. 
this. Never has it been so easy to live in half a dozen harmless worlds at once. Art, music, social science, games, motoring, the following of some profession, and so on. And between them, we run the risk of drifting about the good, hiding the best. It's easy to find out whether our lives are focused and if so, where the focus lies. Where do our thoughts settle when consciousness comes back in the morning? Where do they swing back when the pressure is off during the day? Dare to have it out with God and ask him to show you whether or not all is focused on Christ and his glory. Turn your soul's vision to Jesus and look and look at him and a strange dimness will come over all that is apart from him. What a beautiful reminder when it comes to our digital conduct. Is our soul's vision turning and gazing upon our Lord so that a strange dimness is coming over everything that is not of him? Those were actually the words that inspire, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And what a great message for the digital world today. Amy Carmichael wrote something similar. She said, we often ask the question, what is the harm of it about reading certain books, following certain pursuits, taking our recreation in certain ways? Maybe we've been working hard and need a change of thought and a rest of brain. What is the harm of the latest novel, even if it happens to be rather unprofitable? And we who have not the time to read one out of a thousand of the real books that have been written spend a precious hour by deliberate choice over something not worthwhile. We long to live life to the uttermost, to touch souls to eternal issues. Entire separation to Christ and devotion to him is required. Is there no other path to reach our goal? There is not. Ours should not be the love that asks how little, but how much. The love that pours out its all and revels in the joy of having anything to pour on the feet of its beloved. The question, what is the harm of it, falls from us and is forgotten when we see Calvary, the crucified, the risen again Rabboni of our souls. And what an amazing challenge because yes, there's a lot on social media that is harmless. It's, you know, you can look at it and say, well, there's nothing really bad about it, but it's so easy to spend our life on frivolous things rather than eternal things. And then the good overshadows the best. And so instead of approaching it saying, what is the harm of it? Or how little can I give to God in this area? Let's begin to say, how much, how can I pour out everything I have on the feet of the one who gave me? me everything and no longer ask how much can I get away with, but how far can I possibly go to please and love and serve and honor my King in this area of my life. A few practical ways to shift this pattern and begin focusing on what really matters in your digital conduct, I would say to focus on websites and social pages that point your gaze towards Christ. So if you need to visit a website, a social page, a blog, or a board that is not eternally focused specifically, maybe it's like you're looking for ideas for cake baking or decorating or home decor or organization, whatever, there's some great tips out there. I found for me that it's important not to spend longer there than is really necessary and to be aware of following links into that blog black hole of other secular posts, thoughts, and ideas. Because once you're on one platform, it just leads to this person's post and this person's video and this person's blog. And pretty soon you're just caught down one rabbit hole after the next. So it's not that you have to just 
only go to websites and posts and pages that are specifically about biblical things. But first of all, they shouldn't be anything that's distracting you from Christ. And second of all, if it's just a secular thing, a practical thing, just put boundaries around it and be careful not to go down all of those rabbit trails that are dangling like carrots right in front of our face when we're on social media. Also, turn your eyes away from worthless things. It says in Psalm 119.37, turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. I have found there are a lot of worthless things on social media and it's really important to set up guards or even accountability on our devices. There's some great tools out there. One that I like is Covenant Eyes. There's some others where we have accountability with another person in our life so that if we're venturing onto websites or into social media platforms that are not honoring to God and that are dangerous to our soul, somebody else in our life will know that, will see that, they'll get a notice about it, and there's accountability there so that we don't just feel the freedom to go anywhere on the web that we want to go because that is extremely dangerous. I would also encourage you to be watchful of what kind of sites and platforms you're visiting in the first place. If it promotes sensuality or worldly ideas, if it is not honoring to God, I would encourage you to just click off of it and not to return. It doesn't matter if there's maybe one little tiny nugget of help or practicality you're going to gain if you're exposing yourself to garbage in the process. It's not worth it. I would also encourage you to be aware of the lust of the eyes that is so prevalent online. Just practice immediately turning your eyes away, closing your computer, turning off your phone the moment that you encounter something that is not worthwhile, that's pulling you into temptation or pulling you away from Christ. Nothing is worth jeopardizing that relationship. Another practical is to replace worldly and mindless texting and clicking around and internet surfing with eternally focused activities. To get back into actually reading real books, for me, I listen to audiobooks because I don't have time usually to sit down and read a physical book, but there's so much rich truth that can be found in Christian books and Christian biographies, especially historical Christian books, that diving into those, you just go so much deeper than just browsing around on a whole bunch of different social media pages. Audio scripture is an amazing enhancement to daily life, worship music, sharing words of encouragement with other people, building meaningful one-on-one face-to-face relationships with people and serving others. So just looking for those ways you can add some of that into your life and maybe replace some of the mindless texting and clicking around with some of those activities that really are eternally focused. So another pitfall of too much screen time is that it robs our time with God. We talked about this in the last episode. You know, we often look at our daily lives and we don't think we really have a lot of time for prayer and seeking God through his word, but so often we don't even consider removing obvious time wasters from our daily lives, like spending far too much time in front of a screen. So in one of my books, I use the example of a financial consultant. If somebody wants to get their finances under control, one of the first things a financial consultant will do is say, you know, write down the actual amount you're spending every week on these different areas, not just what you think you're spending. Because a lot of times people don't think they're spending as much on entertainment or this or that as they really are. And when they see it on paper, they recognize, oh, this is an area I could put boundaries around to get my finances under control. And that's the same with social media, writing it down is super helpful when you're trying to get it under control or put it in its proper place. So putting it down on paper, this is how much time I spent on social media today, you know, actually putting a timer on and writing it down can really just be eye-opening if you feel like this is something that's gotten out of control in your life. Remember always to put first things first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness above all else and everything else that you need in life will be added to you. That is a promise from the word of God. 
We've often talked about that parable of Jesus where he talks about a man who prepared a huge banquet and invited all of these people. And each one of them made excuses. I've just gotten married. I've just bought a piece of land, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sure the excuses sounded very reasonable to them, but what were they giving up? The opportunity of a lifetime. Spiritually, I believe it represents the ability to come to his banqueting table every single day and partake of everything that he wants to give us, all of his spiritual blessings and promises and supernatural grace and wisdom and joy and peace that's all available to us at his banqueting table, but we so often make excuses because we are distracted by shallow and meaningless things a lot of times because we're on a screen. At the end of our lives, we don't want to look back and see countless hours or days or weeks or years wasted on things that are not worthwhile when we could have been feasting at his banquet table every day. So a few practical ways to shift that pattern. Ask yourself, is social media something that I use? Is it a tool that I use for just practical help, encouraging others, drawing people to Christ? Or is it an addiction in my life? If social media has become an addiction, then very aggressive steps should be taken to put boundaries around it. One of the ways you can tell that it's an addiction is that you can't imagine living without it. You can't imagine giving it up and you're really uncomfortable if you have to go any length of time without your phone in your face. If that is the case, just prayerfully lay this before God and say, Lord, what is needed to break this unhealthy pattern in my life? Is it a season completely away from these devices and social media? Are there specific boundaries? How can I replace that time with activities that are really truly eternally focused and let God guide you through that process of putting this area in its place and bringing it under his control. And consider taking a season away from it, a fast, if you will, from digital things until it no longer has a grip on your life and a hold on your heart. Again, pray about very specific boundaries you can set around social media time. It might be that you just set aside a specific time of the day and that's when you check it, but you don't just have it available to you 24-7. Use a clock if you need to, an alarm clock, have accountability if you need to. Just be willing to do whatever it takes so that this does not take over your life and damage your relationship with Christ. In final summary, one of the best ways to navigate social media in a God-centered way is to come down to the question, is he worth it? Is he worthy of our everything? Because, you know, sometimes we don't want to envision giving these things up or cutting down on these things. We can't imagine not being on Instagram constantly all throughout the day. But if we feel him calling us to come away from that typical pattern of the world and spend time sitting at his feet and walk in those good works that he has prepared in advance for us to walk in, are we willing to realize that the eternal things he's calling us to are so much more valuable than the temporary fleeting things of this world? And is he worth it? Is he worthy? And the answer, of course, is yes. We only have one life to live. Are we spending it on things that matter in light of eternity? And that question will help us navigate the confusing area of digital communication in a truly healthy and God-honoring way. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into this area of social media in a God-honoring way, visit us at setapart.org. Look at the articles and other resources that we have for you there, including a four-part course on social media, which you can access through our online mentoring program. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.